Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Visiting Victor podcast with Victor Dadaj, where you'll hear stories and strategies to help increase your sales and grow your business. Here's your host, Victor Dadaj. All right, welcome to Entrepreneur's Visiting Victor. I'm your host, Victor Dadaj. I hope you are having an amazing day. Today, we have an awesome guest. She is a New York City-based public relations and LinkedIn marketing expert. She specializes in raising the visibility of senior leaders by developing their thought leadership and media placement as a means of straightening competitive advantage, increasing stakeholder engagement, and retaining talent. She is a three-time board member of New York Women in Communications, she holds an MS in Communications Management from Syracuse University's Newhouse School of Public Communications, and uh, she's published a whole bunch of different articles. So let's welcome to our program, Julie Livingston. How are you doing today, Julie? I'm doing great, Victor. It's great to be here. Well, it's great to have you on. Thanks for being on the show. So, Julie, I'd like to get started by asking you to share your story. How did you wind up becoming an entrepreneur? That's a great question, Victor. I've been an entrepreneur three times. This is my third iteration. But I'm going to say that the interest in becoming an entrepreneur came up for me when I was a, a young kid. Um, at age 12, I became the first girl in my Queens neighborhood, because I'm from Queens, New York, to have her own paper route. And I delivered the Long Island Press. And I really enjoyed the experience of making my own money uh, and, you know, serving customers. And it was just a really exciting thing for me. And I, it, that bug has always been in me, that entrepreneurial bug. So many years later, I had, you know, I had held a number of corporate public relations positions and I was working for a very large garment company, the biggest in the world at that time called Liz Claiborne. And it was, a, it was sort of an unpleasant experience, but I was, but I learned a lot and I was there for about two years and then I left and I thought, you know, I don't really want to go back to big corporate. It was not a great fit for me. Didn't feel right. And so I reached out to one of um, our vendors with whom I was very close. I was, did a lot of work with them on their displays the displays that they provided Liz Claiborne with uh, for our products in department stores. And they became my first client. So, and I loved it. I loved working with them. I loved being independent and having my creative freedom and, you know, running the show. Um, I did that for quite a while. I, the first iteration was over 10 years. Um, and I had an office uh, in uh, Midtown Manhattan, which was great. Um, I just enjoyed the whole thing. You know, of course, there were ups and downs. It's always hard to to get clients and maintain clients and and get paid what you're worth and, and all of that. But um, it was a really, really terrific experience for me. Um, but then 9-11 hit and my business was very hard hit. Uh, and I decided that I had to close it. So I shut down my business and I was very lucky. About six months after 9-11, I was able to get a full-time corporate job at Scholastic, the children's entertainment and publishing company. And I became a director of corporate communications overseeing 
national uh, co-branded literacy initiative. So I worked with the major nonprofits like Save the Children and Volunteers of America. Reading is fundamental. Uh, stayed there for a couple of years. And again, I just didn't feel right. The corporate life was very difficult. It was working 24-7, not really being treated the way I like to be treated. Uh, there was a lot of disrespect and, and verbal abuse there. And so I, I, but I went on to another corporate job, um, was there for about seven years of that corporate job and then uh, got laid off. And so I decided once again to revisit being an entrepreneur and I started picking up clients. And again, I really enjoyed it. Like this was always, it was always, it always felt so right. Um, so I've, I've been lucky in that I've been able to pivot so often. Uh, I ran, was running that business for about um, five years and then business got extremely slow, extremely slow. And, you know, there are highs and lows in, in running a, an, an operating a business. And so I decided to take a break and I took a full-time position uh, leading marketing and communications for a nonprofit back in corporate. I hated it. <laughs> I really craved, craved going back to entrepreneurship. Fortunately, I was laid off again and here I am back at it. Uh, my company is Want Leverage Communications, specialize in traditional public relations, getting my clients featured in news articles where they could be featured as subject matter experts and promote their thought leadership. And I've developed a specialty on LinkedIn in raising executive visibility. So that's kind of the core part of my business right now. So I've just continued to pivot throughout my career. And I maybe that's the big lesson, um, for, big takeaway for your listeners is that being flexible throughout your career and being able to do different things will make you a stronger entrepreneur. I, I like that. Be flexible throughout your career. It can definitely make you be a stronger entrepreneur. A lot of people are too rigid and set in their ways. They try to do things and then things don't work out. They get stuck or they just give up. And yeah. it, it, it doesn't mean you have to give up your dreams, but sometimes no. you get feedback saying you need to make a little adjustments, little tweaks along the way. Just like a plane going from New York to L.A. is, of course, much of the way, but the but the pilot makes little adjustments along the way. So you need to make adjustments sometimes. And over the course of your career, you've done a number of adjustments, but you never gave up. You never gave up. It, it, it all started. I never gave up. And I kept, you know, first of all, I enjoyed pivoting from one industry to the other. And I'll tell you some of the industries I've worked in. They include um, publishing, magazine publishing early in my career and the fashion business, children's entertainment and book publishing, the toy business, which is similar to the fashion industry, actually, in a lot of ways. Um, I worked in nonprofits. I worked for a PR agency for a while. Um, <clears throat> and I worked in educational marketing. Uh, in business development. So I, I've done P public relations, but I, I've also done sales and business development where I was able to leverage my PR skills um, in, a, in a whole new way. And I actually, even though some of those pivots felt a little scary for initially, I really enjoyed the challenges that they presented. 
And with every pivot I made, I just kept learning about new industries, which I really enjoyed doing. I'm a good people person and a good connector. I would broaden my network, get involved in industry organizations so that I could contribute and um, let people get to know me, um, produce industry events as a volunteer leader whenever I could. But another important thing that I've continued to do throughout my career, Victor, is to keep up with new technology. That is critical. It's critical for everybody, whether you're in your own business or you're working in corporate, you have to keep up with new technology and you have to be active on LinkedIn, in my opinion, because it is the world's biggest business networking platform. And that's how you can build relationships. It's how you can establish your thought leadership in an industry sector. And it's about how you can grow your connections. Yeah, no, definitely a lot of good stuff there. And you know, one thing you said, maybe uh, think about something I heard on a Zoom call earlier today. And, and the guy running it, he said, if you only do what you can, you will never be able to grow. You'll, you need to expand oh, I yourself. I love that, Victor. Yourself. I love that. Yeah, you have to stretch yourself. And apparently from all the different things you've done over the years, you've been in a lot of different industries and you've learned a lot of different skills, which is you know, maybe at the time you didn't see it, but over the course of the years, it's helped you become the person that you're helped you grow and become, develop into a much better, much stronger, a much better entrepreneur because of the little. I think very so. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think so. I mean, I remember when I was leading marketing for the toy and the toy association, which was a large industry group for the North American toy industry and the New York toy fair, which is this humongous event that takes up the Javits center. Um, I found that, that the, the stretch assignments I was given helped me. I'm a very creative person. So it really helped me help boost my creativity, help my problem solving. I mean, I love taking on those challenges. And, um, you know, I've, I left that position about 15 years ago. And today they are still using a lot of the vendors and programs that I initiated. And that's really awesome to hear. Uh, Definitely. So, you you know, you 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 left your mark in a number of these places that you work, a lot of the corporate places. It seemed like you're going back and forth between corporate entrepreneur, corporate entrepreneur. But um, you always had that bug in you. It all started when you were 12 years old. I did. When you had started when you were a 12 year old girl, the first girl in your neighborhood to deliver newspapers and you had your own route. You learned customer service. You learned about making money for your own. So I think that always stayed with you, which is why I think you always wound up going back to the entrepreneurial route. It's in my it's in my DNA, I guess. It's funny because I don't really come from a family of entrepreneurs at all, mm. um, but it's just something that always interested me and has always fueled my creativity. And um, I just find it very exciting and interest. Every day is interesting. Some days are really hard. I'm not going to, you know, we know that there's a lot of ups and downs in being an entrepreneur and you have to do a lot of, it's a lot of work. You know, you're promoting your business. You might be also doing the work until you start building a team of people and and it's hard to find good people. Um, but it's I have found that it's more rewarding for me. That doesn't mean that the corporate jobs didn't also, uh, that I didn't find satisfaction in some of them. I did. Um, uh, but in for the most part, they were extremely difficult, fraught with politics that were just so draining. Um, and and meetings, meetings twenty, you know, every single day where you you couldn't get your work done. Yeah, 
You know, and I can tell you, I used to work in the corporate world and I echo what you say because there were a lot of great things I learned in the corporate world. I made a lot of great friendships in the corporate world, but there was a lot of politicking in there and those meetings ah. were really, on. there were meetings because some of the managers, they had nothing to do. So they had to prove to their bosses to, uh, exactly. I, you know, I, I, I'm holding these meetings. So this is why you need to keep me on the job. So, but it, the, the, for, like you said, you're, you're going to all these meetings, but you don't have time to do your own work. It's all So you're working to... every night because you can't get your work done during the day. It's, it's just a terrible uh, way to be. There's no work-life balance. I mean, I don't know if there's really a lot of balance in being an entrepreneur either, but you set you set the schedule and, you know, you can have that flexibility um, the, the, any way you want. Exactly. And, and like you said, it's a lot of work. I think sometimes uh, people have this mistaken impression that they become entrepreneurs and, you know, millions of dollars are going to come in. They don't have to do any work. It doesn't work like it. Like you said, especially in the beginning, you have to do a lot of work because no one knows you. You don't have that credibility. And very often in the very beginning, the early part, you're going to be underpaid and overworked. Yeah. But if you keep doing the right things, you keep getting better. You're working at it over the course of time. And you can say you get that good team behind you. You'll be overpaid. We're doing less work. It's it's just it's a sweet spot that happens after a certain point in time. So a lot of people are frustrated by that because they think their work is so hard and they don't realize they're just if they just persevere a little bit longer, success is just around the corner. And they give up three feet from the goal and they say it doesn't work. But a lot of times all they had to do was just keep going a little bit longer and great things would have happened. Would you agree? Totally agree, Victor. I think you know um, you're absolutely right there. Yeah. No, and I like what you said, you have you always have to keep up with technology. Everything's changing so much. Um, you know, you know, we could just like AI, artificial touch. I mean, you we we we'll probably go on for two hours about it. I mean, we're seeing incredible things, chat GBT, all this stuff. Like it's incredible some of the things AI can do for you. And it's just gonna I it seems to me over the next number of years, several years is gonna be used more and more often. So it's been used for There's years, no I'm question. There's no question it I mean it's changing, it's affecting the public relations business for sure, the marketing business. But you know, I also think that knowing you don't have to be an expert in every kind of technology, but knowing something, a good amount about it positions you as a more valuable entrepreneur because if pe people want to bring you in as a service provider, they want to know that you're at the top of your game, that you're really clued in to what's going on in business today. No, they don't I, want somebody who's who's behind, who really is behind the times. There's no value. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you say, you need to be an expert, but long, as long as you have some knowledge of some of the technologies out there, and you know what? You can also hire people to be the experts that's and right. they can give you that info as well. So let, let's, because uh, you know, one of your expertise is on LinkedIn. You've mentioned that a couple of times, and I use LinkedIn a lot because, and I could say there are a lot of people that really do not know how to use LinkedIn. All they do is spam their business, and I, I get pitched. I'm sure you do probably five to ten. I times delete late. them. Yeah, I delete, delete, delete because. When people send out automated messages, LinkedIn is about building relationships, mm -hmm. okay? Sending automated messages like that. I mean, I get things about trucking. and they, I mean, they obviously don't even know anything about my business. Mm -hmm. So that's not how you build a relationship. Uh, I just block, delete and block those kinds of uh, messages. So really it's to use use LinkedIn and, and update your, you know, elevate your profile so that really positions your business for what it is and the kind of leader who you are. Yeah, absolutely. And then there are some people who they'll connect with me 
And then as soon as they connect, the pitch starts. And like you said, I'll just ignore them or block them or delete them. They're just, yeah, you got to build relationships. I mean, I think there are a lot of people on LinkedIn who need to read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. <laughs> I think you're right. I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. It's so it- basic, but people think that they could um, skip over those steps, the relationship building steps, but those are fundamental. And, you know, if you really want to uh, position yourself as credible, authentic, uh, somebody with integrity, you have to build the relationship and that takes time. No, no, absolutely. Yes. And, 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 and everything's because once people know, like, and trust you, they're going to, you know, they're going to work it. They trust it. They, you got to build that trust. It's like if a man goes up to a woman he's never met before and, and he proposed to her after two minutes of talking to her, she's not going to say yes. She doesn't know the guy. But but that's what these people on LinkedIn and other uh, uh, media do as well. So, yeah, you no. got to otherwise take your time. So people say, well, I'm in a rush. I'm in a hurry. I need to make money. Well, you know what? Um, you're not going to make money quickly that way. You got to build a relationship, give them value, you know, do that customer service, you know, get to know them and show them how you can help. But you also got to learn their needs. You know, you got to find them. maybe you can't solve their needs. So you need to learn that as well. But maybe there are other people there. Right now, I think that close to a billion people on LinkedIn is growing more and more every month. So it's uh, it's just going to continue to grow. So one of the things I want to ask, another thing I want to ask you about, Julie, is is um, is uh, you help out CEOs. So how, how do how can CEOs uh, stand out on LinkedIn? Because there's so much competition out there. There's a lot of competition, and I help uh, senior leaders to establish them their thought leadership and promote it um so that they're seen as you know the go-to source in their industry um so first the first step is really looking at your profile uh with a critical eye and then also looking at your competitors profiles and see how they position themselves and think about how you could be a little different you know what makes you uniquely you so look at your profile linkedin is no your linkedin profile is no longer a resume it should be anything but a resume i liken it to a landing page uh a web landing page where you can really tell your story you know where you've been where are you going what you're doing now and and why um and where you could showcase the kind of person you are uh by sharing stories about how you solve problems, how you address challenges in your industry, some of the innovative things that you've been doing in your business. Um, you know, from a hundred thousand foot view, you're not going to give away your your family secrets, obviously, but there are ways to do that. I mean, I've been working with a, an executive at a Fortune 500 company for about three years now, and I've doubled her followers from 7,500 to 15,000. Now we're almost at 16,000, and I've gotten to know her over this time period. And I kind of I, I kind of know um about the content pillars. We've established content pillars that she um that all of the content that I ghostwrite for her falls in those buckets. So that she can and once you do that, once you have content pillars uh that relate back to your core, your personal core values, and you stick with those content pillars, which isn't easy, but if that repetition sends a message that people will remember you by. So for her, the content pillars are transformative leadership, mental health, um, advocating for women on corporate boards and advocating for women 
who work in technology. And that is all we post on. And so she's really made a name for herself in those in those categories. And now she is the third most followed executive in her very large company. She started out as like the sixth. So we've really um, expanded her sphere of influence. And the really cool thing is that people from across the organization are now conversing with each other on, on her feed. They're giving shout outs. They're, they're talking about issues that they're dealing with at work. It's really established a sense of belonging and community. It's a lot of value there. Absolutely. And I like some of the things you mentioned there. Number one, you have to start, number one, look at your profile um, and look at it with a critical eye. Uh, would you also recommend, you know, like I said, obviously you look at it, you know, you, you being the client, uh, would you recommend also having some other people who give an unbiased viewpoint to give their feedback on your process, see what could be improved? Would you say that's also a good idea to do? Excuse me. Absolutely. And, you know, it, would you like me to go through the components of the profile, Victor? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay. So the header, the the top portion of the profile is the first thing that you see when somebody goes to look at it. So make sure you have a professional headshot. It is worth the investment, believe me. Um, nothing that was taken at the beach, nothing where you can't really see your face, something that has a very clear, you know, nice background, not a lot of competing colors, something very simple and professional where you're making eye contact and you look kind of happy. Um, the back of the, behind the uh, profile photo is the most underutilized piece of LinkedIn real estate. Use that. Remember, that's the first thing people see about you. Use that to have a picture, another photo of you in action, giving a presentation, talking to your colleagues, so people could get a sense of who you are. And then add your uh, your, your name again and you, what you do. For me, it's LinkedIn LinkedIn consulting and public relations so that the minute somebody goes to my profile, they get it. They get what I'm all about. So tell your story in that way. Look at your about section and make sure that it really explains your successes, your a bit about your journey. You have about 2000 words to do that. And I would take advantage of the featured section on LinkedIn where you can, you can use that as sort of a slideshow um, to to highlight your daily postings. And if you want to stand out on LinkedIn, you should post between one and three times a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, and so update that featured section all the time. Uh, update your experience sections section and make sure that you also use the new feature where you can highlight your skills. This makes you more searchable on the platform. And if you've been featured in news articles, if you're a leader who's been featured in news articles, add a media section to each work experience. Again, this highlights who you are. I like to repeat some things throughout the profile because many people will just look at the top section, but others might go down a little bit. So I'll do your experience section. I like to repeat some of the things that are in the about section, including any articles that you've been featured in. Oh, definitely, that's a lot of good value out there. Um, you know, uh, you know, because you you know, you look at the profile, and also 
you mentioned earlier, look at the profile of your competition, see what they do, and then see what makes you uniquely you. And um, and just share the, you know all the stories of what you've been doing, how you solve problems, how you can help people out, the concept pillars, you know, you do, do the things that you focus on. You gave the example of that lady, and then and and, and you know her followers doubled, and, and and she's getting a lot more engaged, a lot more people reaching out to her. Um, and then and, and you mentioned have a professional headshot, very important. Use the back of the profile photo. You know, you know, have another picture showing you, you know, like maybe you're talking in front of a group of people, giving a a lecture, a talk on something. And look you know, at those sections. Share your story. Tell more about yourself. And I like it. use the feature section. A lot of people don't use that. That's something very important. I so love that section, Victor. It brings you to life. No, absolutely. And and, and post, you know, like once or three times a week, you know, be active. Because if you don't, you know, uh, people will notice it. So people see you posting and they're going to realize, okay, you're still around. Because there are a lot of people... Once they get a new job, they, they, they're not on LinkedIn anymore. They haven't been on in three years, and they won't be back on until they need a new job. So there are people that are very inactive on LinkedIn. So you got to make sure you're active so people realize you're still around. And, um, yeah, up, you know, highlight your skills, the update the experience section. That's Those are all really good tips for people to make your profile really stand out. Because all these little things, most people are not doing this. So that's those are some really great tips for how to stand out. And the profile is what people learn about you first. So um, they're going to look at and they're going to say, you know, do I really want to learn more about this person? Should I even bother? So do I want to even do I want to do business with them? Exactly. And if it's not professional looking at all, it's like, you know, a shoddy work. They're going to say, no, I'm just, there are plenty of other people I can do work with. So, you know, one of the things, um, you know, and that probably tying with something you used to do before is, uh, PR. That was so one of the jobs you had was public relations. So, uh, how does that relate to uh, LinkedIn? How can you utilize that to grow your business? Well, I actually think that that makes me um, a valuable consultant uh, in what I do. That I am a publicist. I'm a pres- professional publicist, and I'm bringing that skill set to LinkedIn. So I'm really helping clients to leverage LinkedIn as a public relations tool. Um. On LinkedIn, I like to see my clients commenting on other people's posts because that feeds into the LinkedIn algorithm, makes you more visible. There is now an AI tool on LinkedIn called Collaborative Articles where you can provide your opinion on articles that are are AI generated. And if you do, I think, three contributions, you get a special badge that you could put on your profile, top contributor. Um, these are really good ways to boost your visibility on the platform. Also by posting things that people in your space or your cl- potential clients or clients are interested in, articles, um, offering your opinion on industry issues, Um I would stay away from politics, but you know where. Think of where you can provide value. Yeah, no, I like that. Think of where you can provide value. Comment, you know, um, comment a lot of other people's posts, and you know, there could probably a lot of different LinkedIn groups you can go in. You know, provide some value there as well. Let me let me stop you there, though, Victor, because LinkedIn groups are for the most part inactive. Oh, really? okay. I, I would I, I would not spend a lot of time there. There are some groups that do have a lot of engagement and interaction, but don't just join groups to be in a group. Most of them won't do anything for you. Check out the group first before you join and see 
how engaged the members are. I would rather see you spend your time somewhere else doing something else on LinkedIn. That's a great tip. So before you join any groups, find out if it's active. It's not, like you said, many, most of them are not active. So check to see if it's active. It's not active. Don't waste your time. You got you have so many other places you can go to. Again, you mentioned earlier, comment other people's posts. You mentioned this new AI tool called Collaborative Articles. If you get three contributions, you can get a special batch. So, you know, there, there are a lot of different things you can do to keep active, interact with other people. Because a lot of times you interact with other people's posts, they're going to notice you. A lot of times we have a lot of connections we've never interacted with. So if they see you commenting or even sharing that article, then then they may go to your profile and maybe they're like, oh, well. This, this person gives really good advice. So really good stuff there. Um, as we're getting toward the end of our interview, um, are there any last minute uh, pieces of advice regarding LinkedIn or anything else you, you want to share with our audience, our entrepreneurial audience? Well, one of the tools I love on LinkedIn is called Creator Mode. And this is a free tool, provides you with some updated, some really cool features. It's free to turn on. All you have to do is flip the switch. And it provides you with um, the opportunity to add a custom URL in the header of your, uh, under your headline. And I like that because if people go to your head, your header, they'll see your profile photo, they'll see your headline, and then they'll see where to click instantly. So you can add that. Uh, You can also use LinkedIn Live, which is a live broadcasting platform. I do a show every week called PR Patter, uh, where I speak to public relations and marketing professionals from across my network, and I broadcast it on LinkedIn Live. There's also LinkedIn Audio, which is relatively new, just came out this year, where you can do things like this, like we're doing today, except it's live uh, on LinkedIn. And I, I tune into a lot of those. I get a lot of really great information on on there for my, for my business um, and about entrepreneurship also. Um, so there are a lot of really cool things that you can, that you can get out of uh, being on creator mode. The only downside is you should, well, you should have more than 500 connections if you decide you want to try it. Um, because it does hide the connect button. It may, you have to go through, you'll see the connect button is no longer there when you're in creator mode. You have to click on those three little dots and it will say more. And then you click on that and you'll find, you know, connect. So that's the only downside. Okay. So that's, that explains why sometimes when I'm trying to connect with people, I don't see it. I have to hit those three uh, buttons to connect with them. That's why. Okay. That's, that's right. right. That's right. That's, so that's, that's just the one disadvantage of creating it, but there's a lot of advantages to it. Um, yeah, so LinkedIn Live, LinkedIn Audio. So definitely a lot of great tips there. And, and I'm sure you probably have tons of other tips related to LinkedIn. So for those in the audience who want to learn more about LinkedIn, you should definitely reach out to Julie. So Julie, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a real pleasure having you on. You shared a lot of great value, a lot of great tips. And uh, I know those that are listening to this episode really appreciate it. And if people want to uh, contact you, Julie, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? LinkedIn. <laughs> LinkedIn, perfect. <laughs> they can also go to my website, wantleverage.com, and listen to my podcast, PR Patter. It's on Spotify. Perfect. So, yeah, okay. So, go to our website, reach out to our LinkedIn, or listen to her podcast. Awesome. Thanks again, Julie. I really appreciate it. Have yourself an amazing day. Thanks, Victor, for having me on. Have a great one. Thank you. Bye bye. 
Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you've enjoyed listening, please smash that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our amazing episodes. Please also leave a five-star rating review and have an awesome day.